Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our senior pastor, Neil Haney. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Grab my water just in case I have a frog that I need to drown. Well, I'm uh, really excited to be kicking off a new series for the new year. Um, Dennis and I met a couple weeks ago for a couple of hours talking about what this series would look like, and um, uh, it's called Homecoming, and the theme of, of 2024 in terms of what we're going to focus on is coming home to the, the Father's love and embrace. And, um, you know, I know that God loves me, God loves you, um, Jesus loves you, this I know for the Bible tells me so, it is kind of elementary, it seems. You know, most people understand to some extent that God is love and God loves us. But what that actually means to us is way more profound than, than most American Christians realize. And so this morning... Um, I want to explain why that is, and I, I'm, I'm giving, this is an introductory sermon to the whole series that's going to run actually through Easter, which is the 31st of March. So here we are, the 31st of, of January, so the next two months, we're going to be focusing on the homecoming, and this morning, I'm going to just talk about what homecoming means to us, and so um, I would like to pray, I, I appreciated Derek praying for me, I want to pray for the, the Word of God and the concept of God's love to penetrate our hearts. Can I do that? Because, you know, our, our vision statement is the gospel changes everything, and God's love, the, the love of the Father, the love of the Son, the love of the Holy Spirit, and His embrace of us is, is the heart of the gospel. The cross is in there too, trust me. But... But the love of, of God towards us and all that he's done to us, with us, and for us is the good news. And it has to do with who he is, who God is. And so um, I'm just going to pray for revelation this morning. Uh, father, I, I thank you that you're a father. Lord Jesus, I thank you as the son of God that you have come to reveal the father, the father's heart, the father's love, the father's embrace. I want to thank you that you came into the far country chasing us down to bring us back into in, our home in the Father's presence, in the Father's embrace. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would communicate. You know, the Lord Jesus said, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. And that comes through revelation. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will be the one who, who reveals what I'm about to share through my mouth, through my brain, through my, my heart, and, and, and just through me, Lord, as, as rivers of living water flow out of me, because you promised, Jesus, that everyone who believes in you would have those rivers of living water, <clears throat> and that they would flow forth, and I believe you meant into the lives of others. <clears throat> and so I pray for clear communication, but Lord, I pray that it would not only communicate to our brains, <clears throat> but also to our hearts. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Got to drown the frog. Excuse me for a moment. 
may he die. <clears throat> All right. So, <clears throat> I've alluded to this a couple of times. Dennis has alluded to this a couple of times. Um, but I want to unpack this fully this morning. In terms of, as we're talking about homecoming, that implies that we're coming home to something. And uh, like I said, I briefly shared last Sunday in my little uh, you know, introductory spiel to um, the uh, Vision Sunday I've done this with a number of groups, uh, and I saw this done probably 30 years ago uh, by a man named Baxter Kruger, um, and I saw this one little video and him doing what, what I'm about to kind of do with you, and I've never forgotten it. In fact, I remember pretty much every word he said. Now, when someone says something 30 years ago, and it's kind of in just a passing way, and you remember it, it must be significant. It must be profound. And it's never lost its power to me. And so I want to I just do this. The, <clears throat> the difference is that ordinarily in a small group, I would say when you hear this word, what comes to mind or what comes to your heart? I'm not going to do that this morning because we get the same responses over and over and over again. This is a universal response. And so I'm just going to tell you <laughs> what you would probably say back to me. Okay, so... When you hear the word home, I want you to think about this. When you hear the word H-O-M-E, home, what sort of things come to mind and what stirs in your heart when you hear that word? That word is so powerful. I think about people uh, that have been in the military or in the military. And when they're on the battlefield, when they're in the trenches, when they're thousands of miles away, the one thing that motivates them uh, to, to do what they do is because they want to get back home and they want to protect their home. And so the word home is really powerful. And, and these are the things, when you mention the word home, these are the things that tend to come to mind. Belonging. Total acceptance. Unconditional love. Freedom to relax and be yourself. We'll just call that freedom. Safety, security, and then it goes deeper to feel welcomed, to feel cherished, to feel celebrated, to feel honored, to feel embraced. How many of you would agree that when you hear the word home, those kinds of things come to mind? Just lift your hand. Lift them high if you could. So, so it's, you know, that's most of you. It's interesting to me that, <clears throat> that that's the kind of thing that almost always comes to mind when, when you mention that to people, that word. And I want to say that, that that's the same for me. And um, I remember when I was in college and seminary, my parents, I didn't move away from home. My parents moved off and left me. And I jokingly say they didn't give me a forwarding address, but that's not true. They actually did, and so I was able to locate them. Um, but they, uh, they, moved, uh, they moved in January, and, and I was on winter break, and I started spring semester in college. I, was, I think I was a junior in college when they, uh, when they moved. 
and they moved from, I was in North Alabama, they moved to Richmond, Virginia. And so on spring break, they bought me a plane ticket and I flew home. And, um, and that began, I never moved back home. So, uh, so you know, I, my parents and me split up when I was a junior. But, but I've always lived somewhere between 7 and 14 hours away from my parents and, and my family. And um, at every opportunity, I would go home for a visit. For Thanksgiving, Christmas, spring break, summer break, I would, I would always go home. And my mom would always clean the house from top to bottom. She would cook my favorite foods, my favorite meals. She would make my favorite desserts. I would come home to three and four desserts that I would have to eat some of every time I was home. And needless to say, I'd always gain like 10 pounds every visit. But... But when I, would, when I would pull my little Subaru, I drove a Subaru forever, up to a um, little tiny thing and, and get my little suitcase out and, and go to the door, I was embraced. I was welcomed. I was celebrated. It was for the first 10 minutes, it was hugs, tears. And um, I just remember, you know, with my, I have a brother and a sister and so many nights sitting around the kitchen table uh, eating um, you know, just snacks, peanuts. Uh, we like smoked oysters anyway. And, and just, just sitting around a table, I know that's gross, but um, <laughs> it's a Southern thing, okay? I grew up in the South. But um, we just sit around a table and my, dad's would, my dad would tell stories of, you know, growing up and my, my sister was just the funniest person in the world. She would crack jokes on everything. And we would just sit there and enjoy each other and talk and laugh. And I've felt all of these things. But that's not most people's experience of home. In fact, um, I want to ask you another question. How many of you experienced home in the way that I just expressed, a, a place of belonging, of acceptance, of freedom, of safety, welcome, being cherished, being embraced, being celebrated? How many of that was your experience in, in your growing up years? It's interesting that... The, Probably less than half of the people that raised their hands just raised their hand on the first question. So, so you didn't experience those things in your, in your home when you were growing up. So let me ask you, if you raised your hand on the first question, that's what home should be like, and you didn't raise your hand on the second question, how many of you experienced that? Here's a, here's a question that's a bit painful, and I'm taking a risk by asking it. Who told you, if you didn't raise your hand the second time, who told you that that's what home was supposed to be like? Did you see it on television? Did, did you go to spend the night with one of your friends when, they, when you were in school and that's what they were experiencing? And so you said, oh, this, this is what normality should look like. I doubt it. The reason you raised your hand in the first question, yes, home should be a place of belonging and acceptance and embrace and all those things, love and, and being cherished, is because the reason you raised your hand on that question and not on the second one is because somewhere in the depths of your soul, it has been written by the creator, God, that this is what you should be experiencing. It's written in your soul by your creator, by the one who intended you to live in his embrace, 
in his love, in his acceptance, that you would belong to him, that you would be, you would be safe in his presence, welcomed into his presence, cherished, embraced, celebrated, and honored. And your soul longs for that. That's what homecoming is. It's coming back to the embrace of the Father. You know, in the, we're going to, Dennis and I, are, the next couple of weeks, are going to focus on the, the great parable in, the parables in John, or Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, and the two sons who didn't understand their father's love and, and were alienated from their father for various reasons. But think about that story. The prodigal is, you know, the, the main focus is on the, the prodigal and his relationship with his father. And he leaves his father. He walks away. In fact, he runs away. And he gets as far away as he, he goes into the far country. That's, you know, way away. I hear music. Has heaven come upon us here? Um, if you think about that story, if you take the father out of that story then you have, the prodigal has nothing to come home to. Because I think you understand the difference between the word house and the word home. When I say the word house, does that warm your hearts? No, it's a dwelling place. It's, it's, it might have people in it, it might not. It might be empty, it might have furniture, but it, it doesn't evoke emotion when, you, when I say the word house. But home implies relationship. It implies someone there that's going to love you, that's going to embrace you. It's going to, it implies relationship of the highest and best kind. And that's what warms our heart. That's what stirs our hearts. And so, so homecoming, as I said right out of the gate, is coming home to the Father's love and the Father's embrace. And this series is about the home-like nature of our God, his good intentions for us, his, his, his actual chasing after us in, into the far country to bring us home to his embrace. And so um, Jesus comes to tell us who the Father is. He comes to tell us what the Father's like. And he wants to bring us home into the Father's embrace and his welcome and his, his cherishing us and celebrating us and honoring us and loving us for all eternity. That's what we were created for. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The opposite of coming home or homecoming is homelessness. <laughs> and because of what happened with the story of Adam and Eve, our first set of parents, and sin entering the world, the disease of sin, and then the human race just moving into the far country as far away from God as they could get. Because that's what's happened to our race, humanity. That's the tragedy of the human story. But it, it's, it's a story that, gets, that has a happy ending, trust me, because of what I'm about to share with you. Now, I will tell you that I came over here, I, I, I prepared the sermon, I preached in my sermon prep team, um, I came over here last night, I went through it, I don't know how many times, and I've found that, that, that this sermon is like 
you ever been over in the park here in Northridge Park? They have, they didn't replace it. I thought once they redid the park, they'd get rid of the merry-go-round thing. You know, that metal thing that spins around that throws kids off and cracks their skulls and all those things. I thought, you know, in this day and time, you couldn't have one of those contraptions because of the danger. And you always have the bully kid that gets everything spinning so fast that little kids are like terrified. Trying to figure out how to approach this sermon to me is like trying to time, time jumping onto one of those things. Because you ha- I got to figure out where to jump in. Because everything I want to say, it's just like, I don't know where to start. And so I've decided to start with an illustration that involves props. Now, I am way out of my comfort zone with this. But Dennis did props last time he preached. And I got to keep up with this guy. I can't let it get ahead of me. I haven't, we haven't done props in this church for years, since Laverne Nisley left. He used to do props with every sermon. Um, but Dennis set the bar really high last time, so I'm going to use props today. And um, so I want to talk about our, our, our view and understanding of God from a homeless place of, of, I mean, the human race defaults to homelessness. We don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we're, we're free to be ourselves. We don't feel like we have unconditional love from God. We don't feel free to relax in this presence. We don't feel safe and secure. We don't feel welcomed, cherished, celebrated, or honored. We feel quite the opposite. And we feel like that, um, that even though the New Testament tells us we're no longer under the law, that Jesus is taking care of us, that everything is fine, we find ourselves back in the, under the, some kind of law and performing and trying to um, make sure that God is pleased with us and that we feel like we're constantly under his frown and we've got to do things that make him like us more. And so we get into this striving performance trap and it, we come under the slavery of religion and that will kill you. It just will. And so I want to talk about this morning why that is. And so the first thing I want to do is introduce to you what we're going to call, and Dennis will probably refer to this too, the G-O-D God, okay? The G-O-D God. This God has existed by himself through all eternity. And by the way, um, for those of you who are watching online and those of you who are sitting over here and can't see this chair, this is the G-O-D God chair, okay? And it represents... The God who is alone, who is one, one God, Allah, you know, the God of Israel. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, okay? Uh, had no concept of, of the Trinity at all. This God has existed for all eternity until he decided to create the universe. He's existed in, in, by himself. And so by nature, he is a self-centered deity, And he only created out of his own need not to be bored anymore. He created everything out of his own need. And he sets the rules and you darn well better abide by them. Or you're not going to be okay with this God. The G-O-D God. Okay. Now this is going to take a second. uh, Because this God is more complex than that. Okay. So... Thanks, 
interest in us. All right. I told you this is complicated. This is the God of, Christi- of, of, of the Christian faith. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, they are one God, but they are three separate personalities. They're three separate persons. And they have existed, unlike the G.O.D. God, who has been self-centered and by himself for all eternity, this God has existed in relationship, in a love relationship, because this God can't love because love demands a relationship with someone. And, and, and you can't have love without an object. The Father has loved the Son and the Son has loved the Father, and the, the Father has loved the Spirit, and the Son, and they've loved each other, and they've known each other, and they've had a relationship with each other, they've communicated with each other for all eternity. And everything that has come about has been birthed out of the love and relationship of this triune God. This, this is the birthplace, the source of uh, the the um, yeah the the very source of life and love and light and everything that's good and right. This is it right here, and the universe was birthed out of the womb of this right here. This relational God, and for all eternity, all eternity, all this 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 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always had us in mind. You see, an eternal God doesn't make time and space decisions. The Father didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I got a good idea, spirit and son. I think we should create a bunch of children. No, you have been in the heart and mind of God for all eternity. And by the way, this God knew that when we were when he created the universe for a context to bring us into existence, we he created like the in a in a in an engagement ring. You have the you have the ring and you have the prongs and you have the set and then and then the crown jewel goes in that. Look at the universe and everything that was created as the ring, and you and I are the diamond that was put in the ring. You're the, you and I are the crown of creation because everything was created for us. The father wanted children. The son wanted brothers and sisters. If you, look, if you look at Hebrews 2, it says that he came to bring many sons and I'll add daughters to glory so that we could share in this right here. Do you guys realize that we were created to be brought into this family circle right here? That's mind-blowing. You mean to tell me that God created us to be in this family circle of Father, Son, and Spirit? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That makes us to be sharing in the divinity of, of, of God himself. In fact, in uh, I think it's verse 5 of Second of, uh, Peter 2, it says that we are to become partakers of the divine nature. Human beings are very shy about saying, I am created to be God-like, God-infused. What do you think Paul was praying when he said in, in Ephesians 3 
that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Come on. I'm not saying that we're gods, but I am saying that we are in Christ. Sit in, you died. <laughs> Colossians 3, 1. See, it, jumping on, I'm trying to jump on the, the merry-go-round here, okay? It's just, it's hard not to get ahead of myself in this sermon. And this is the introduction to everything else we're going to say about this in this series. Homecoming. But it says, you died with Christ. You died. You were buried with him. You were raised with him. You ascended back to the Father. You died in your life, your life. Put your name in that, your. Lyndon died. Scott died. Dennis died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Amen. Okay. All right, so. I'm going to give you the text this morning. It's important to, to bring this out from the word. So God wants us to understand. The Father wants us to understand. The Son, the Spirit wants us to understand that we are supposed to be living in this, the, the, God's embrace, his acceptance, his safety, security, welcomed, cherishedness in, 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 in total Unconditional love. And because of sin, we have run away from God into the far country. We, the human race has separated itself from this because they bought the lie of Satan. And they thought that God had ulterior motives that weren't good. They didn't trust the heart of the Father. They didn't trust that he was really safe, that he was really secure, that he really cherished them, that Adam and Eve and, and you know, all those things. And so they went after something else. And we've been going after something else ever since as a, as a race, as, a, as humanity. So this series is about defining, describing, and explaining the heart of the Father and his desires for us, his love for us. And who better to present that to us than the son? <laughs> Guys, we're going to be talking about the parable of the prodigal son, and it is super important that we understand who's telling the parable. Because if it's anybody else, it's not going to have the impact that this is going to have when we see this. If the son is talking about the father... You're getting it straight from the source. Okay? So, Jesus comes to define God for us. And this is what happens. By the way, I just want to say this about the Gospel of John. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. The first three are called the synoptic gospels because they're pretty much the same story. It's the story of Jesus on earth, and then it leads up to his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. It's kind of a like the life of Jesus, but we call it the gospel. The gospel means good news, and that's good news. However, the gospel of John is very, very different. The gospel of John is looking at Jesus 
and all that he says and does from an eternal perspective, and he really does, John really does present what we call the gospel, the good news in his gospel, and he does it powerfully. And so what I'm about to read to you is portions of John chapter 1, because it explains the Son coming into the world to define his Father and the Spirit, for that matter, and to introduce himself, (laughs) because these Jews have never seen God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've only known him as God, as Yahweh. Okay, so here we go. In the beginning was the Word. The Word defines, describes, and explains God. And the word was with God, and the word was God. There's the relationship. The word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, it's both and. He was with God, the Father, in the beginning. Now listen to this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was there in creation. You have the Trinity in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, who is the Father, created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let us make humankind man in our own image. There's a conversation happening between two persons there. And I think it was the Father and the Son. And the Spirit was in agreement with this. And so they, Father, Son, and Spirit, created us. In him was life. I told you that life is birthed out of the source of life. In him was life, and that life is the light of humankind. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Everything good, light, life, love, comes from this right here. Not that. (laughs) Okay. And Jesus is trying to come and deliver us from this, from religion, from keeping the rules and trying to please this unpleasable judge and king and deity who is very impersonal and very much just sitting on his throne, kind of watching over things and, you know, making his list and checking it twice and trying to figure out who's naughty and nice. I mean, that's this kind of God. But that's not who who the real God is. Now listen to this. The light shines in the darkness. (laughs) He came into our darkness. The light came into our darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Again, John writing from eternal perspective, not just before the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, but the light, the darkness tried to overcome the light at the cross. The darkness tried to snuff the light out, was not able to. It has not overcome it, John says. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. He was in the world. <laughs> And, the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize his own cre- its own creator. The Romans didn't recognize Jesus as their, their creator. The Jews didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, the Jewish people, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. They were looking for a military leader to, to, uh, 
to overcome Rome and, and set them free from Roman oppression, and he didn't fit the bill. He didn't fit their mindset of what he should be and do. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, and that's true today, if you receive him, if you believe in his name, he, he gave the right to become children of God. That's all God's ever wanted. He had everything he needed, but he, out of his love, love wants to give itself away. Love is not self-focused, it's other-focused. And he said, I want billions of children. And so he created us to be with him forever. That's all he's ever wanted. In fact, I, I need to say this, jumping on the, the wheel. He knew, they knew that, that the fall was coming. They knew that Adam and Eve would sin and what Jesus would have to go through, the son would have to come and go through to get us back. And they were willing to do it anyway because they, are not, they do not want to live without us. They do not want to live without you. And so Jesus chose, they, they made this, they, they eternally had a plan to deal with the problem of sin. It's just a blip on the radar, by the way, in eternity, that whole thing. So to those who believed, who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of God, it says in verse 13. And then here's the awesome thing. The word became flesh, sarks. Our, he, 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 took, he, he came and was birthed into the human race. He came into a, I mean, he was birthed in a fallen human body. He was tempted in every way that we were, yet without sin. He never sinned, but he was tempted, just like we are. He could feel pain. His body could feel pain. His body could die. He, had a, he wrapped himself in our humanity as the last Adam. The first Adam screwed up, but when, the, when God the Son comes as the greater last Adam, he's going to fix everything. He's going to take care of what was broken. He was going to redeem it. Because God never gave up on us, not one moment. He says, I will not, I will not let them go into alienation and, and into nothingness again. That's where we were headed as a race. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, <laughs> uh, full of grace and truth. Grace sets us free, truth sets us free. Okay? Verse 16, out of his fullness, out of his fullness, he's God. He's, he has the fullness of God in him. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. You sin and there's grace. You blow it and there's grace. It's like the waves of the ocean lapping on the sand, time after time after time, grace upon grace to cover sin, to cover sin, a grace upon grace to give you, to, to, to bring you into the Father's love and acceptance and, and uh, being cherished and being honored, and your sin no longer is an issue. It's not. 
You and I don't want to sin anymore because we have the Holy Spirit and we're allergic to sin. And yet we sometimes do it. And I've said this over and over again. We are not in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, sinners saved by grace. We are saints who sometimes sin. There's a huge difference. Because if you identify yourself as a sinner, that's your identity. But we're not. And I sin. But I don't like to. And I always feel horrible about it. And I feel guilty. But that guilt has been dealt with on the cross. And we just need to, there's a song by Cody Carnes that's called Run to the Father. If you haven't heard that song, we're going to do that. We're going to introduce that song during this series. Run to the Father. And, and he says, I, my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again. When you sin, just get up and go to the Father. And just walk into his arms of embrace and just knowing that Jesus has already paid in full for every sin you'll ever commit. And you're in the embrace of the Father. Always. I just jumped on the, the thing and got knocked off. So I'm going to try to get back to the, yeah. Because I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Out of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law that stirs up sin was given through Moses. The law that made you think that God was this kind of God, the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The God, the Son, who came to reveal, to define, to describe, and and, and in every way explain the Father in his heart. No one has ever seen God, the Father that is, but the one and only Son who is himself God. There it is again. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Jesus, Jesus never denied his deity. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. And is in closest relationship. Listen to that, relationship. Key word, this God doesn't have a relationship. This God lives eternally in relationship. Once relationship with you and me has done everything that it took to bring us back into that relationship. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God in closest relationship with the Father, with the Father, Jesus introduces us not to God, but to his Father, and at the very end, at the, one of the very last things he says to his disciples at the end of John, is he said to Mary, tell my disciples, go and tell my brothers, he says, that I'm returning to my God and their God, to my Father and their Father. When you pray, say, Father. He introduced God as Father. No one had ever done that before. The one, so the one no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who himself is himself God is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. And then he goes on for 20 more chapters to explain how Jesus made the Father known, okay? So here it is, folks. I'm going to cut to the chase because I'm already over time. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son. And he and the Father are one. And Jesus comes to define God, to describe God, to explain God as a relational God of love, not the isolated G-O-D God. And to bring us back to, to God in this homecoming, to come home to the Father's heart, to his being, to, to who he is. And Jesus is the one who defines his Father as love. Jesus is the one who defines, 
And, and he also, here it is, he also, living as a man, fully man, in relationship with his father, redefines humanity, gives us back what we're supposed to be, restores our true humanity, not our broken, fallen, alienated humanity, and brings us back into a relationship with God as God always intended it to be. And through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension back to the Father, through his sending of the Holy Spirit to live in us, Jesus brings us home to God and his original plans, purposes, and identity for the human race. Is that awesome or what? And that's what this series is about. Now I'm going to tell you a story to wrap this up. I was at a store yesterday. I'm standing in line. I'm in a hurry to get home. Uh, there's like four people in front of me, and I'm just standing. I have two items in my hand. One of them were the sheets I bought to, to put over these chairs, and the other was an umbrella, and you understand why I bought that. And so I'm standing there with my umbrella and my sheets, and I'm waiting in line. There's a lady in front of me, and she's very sweet, and, and um, we just acknowledged you, and we said hi to each other. And she gets up to the, to the cashier, and she, they, she starts ringing, the cashier starts ringing her stuff up, and she charges her full price for something that's half price. And she's like, oh, that's, that's, that's half price. And the lady looks at the ad. She says, you're right. I got to call my manager. And she looks back at me. And I've been standing there forever. And I know Deb's waiting for me to get home. And, and so um, I'm trying to be calm on the inside. But on the, I mean, on the outside. But on the inside, I'm going, I got to get home. I got to get home. And uh, Deb's going to kill me. Deb's going to kill me. So anyway. Um, no, I'm kidding. But... Um, you know, she's, she's, she's like, could you just like cancel my transaction and ring him up and let him go? And God said no. And the, the cashier said, I can't do that. Sorry, I have to wait on the manager. The manager took forever to get there. And then she has to go through and you know, delete all that out. I, I don't know. It took her five minutes to do whatever she did at the cash register. And this lady keeps apologizing to me. I'm like, don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. My wife's going to kill me, but it's fine. And so, um, so I get, huh? <laughs> I'm alive, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, I get through, you know, uh, so, so she pays and, and leaves, and I get my stuff rung up. And, I mean, this lady should be gone, right? She should have gone out, gotten her vehicle, and left. I get out to my car, and I notice she's still sitting in her vehicle. But here's what, here's what happened. She said, be sure to the cashier, be sure and ring up this bottle of whatever, because um, I'm a good... Uh, I'm a good religious girl, and I don't want to go to hell because I stole a bottle of oven cleaner or whatever. And I'm like, go to hell? Like, She's like, you know, I'm probably going anyway, but I don't want to go over a bottle of oven cleaner. And I'm just like, what is this lady thinking? And so I go out, and, and she's sitting in her car, and I remember I have some, some bridge invite cards in my pocket. So I pull one out, and I walk over, and she's starting to pull out, and I stop her, and, and we've already had some good interactions, so she, does, she knows I'm not a serial killer at that point. <laughs> and, and I just said, ma'am, I said, I heard you say something about going to hell and about stealing something and causing you to go to hell. And I said, I used to be what you are, but I said, I have discovered the goodness and grace of God and I want you, I'm a pastor of a church that believes that Jesus paid for every sin that you've ever committed or ever will forget. It's called the bridge. 
And I said, we call it the bridge because we want to move people from the dead religion that you're experiencing into the life of grace and, and, and um, the goodness of God and the love of God and the embrace of God. And I said, I want you to know that God. And she said to me, you have no idea what this encounter means to me. She said, I've grown up under this weight of, of this horrible religion. And she said, I'm just exhausted from it. And I said, I understand that. And I said, but come and hear about the goodness and grace of God. Come and hear about the Father who is our home. I was inviting her to a homecoming. Let's pray. Father, may we (laughs) extend the invitation to more and more people to come home, to come home to your love and your embrace and your goodness. And Lord, I just pray that that during this series, we will get a new understanding of who you are and what you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.